Acts chapter 8. So last week, uh, Andy talked about the life of Stephen and the Spirit-empowered life and how God took um, Stephen and Philip, two men that were called to wait on tables, and we talked about that. I, I talked about that two weeks ago. Just uh, There was kind of like the first major problem in the early church. It's kind of like, Houston, we have that problem, right? And, um, and so they, um, they uh, kind of put their minds together. They prayed, and they came up with a solution. They selected, um, they selected seven men that would help out with these Grecian widows that spoke Greek. They didn't know the Hebrew Aramaic. They ministered to them. And two of these men were Philip and Stephen. They were, all these men were supposed to be men that were full of character and of the Holy Spirit, all right? And so they did a great job selecting them. But we know that they did more than just um, um, provide assistance for these widows. And there again, the backstory for that is that often widows would come to Jerusalem, maybe after their, their husband had passed away and towards the end of their life, they would make their way to Jerusalem And there was a system in place to provide for widows that were God-fearing, that were involved in the ministry of the temple of worship, the church, and they would provide for them. We even see that later. uh, Paul mentions that to Timothy. And so that didn't happen. Um, And so this morning we want to talk about the spirit-led life in the life of Philip. That's in Luke, well, Acts, Luke wrote it, but Acts chapter 8, looking at the life of Philip. Amen. We're going to look at these. We know that the moment that we invite Christ into our life, the Holy Spirit comes in, doesn't he? Amen. He's the one that assures us. He's the guarantee that we are saved because we sense his presence in our life. Um, It is the Holy Spirit that convicts us and draws us to him in the first place where we feel, you know what, I'm a sinner and I need God's grace and his mercy. That is the Holy Spirit working in our life. So the moment we invite Christ into our life, the Spirit is there. He makes us a new creation and changes and transforms us. But we also see in the book of Acts that the Holy Spirit is there to empower us. This empowering presence, often it's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit or or being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Luke will use different terms. The Holy Spirit came upon or filled uh, or they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so we see this, this other sense, this empowering presence that comes at, sometime after salvation. Now, usually there's a little bit of a gap there, as you'll see in different stories in the book of Acts. There's five times that people are filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and one of those um, is kind of referenced today. But then we also see, um, so we see that the, it comes after salvation, but as you'll see in the book of uh, Acts chapter 10, it's like they are saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, boom, right at the same time. So um, it's just an interesting how Luke records all of that. So as seen in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit does come upon his people in an empowering way to equip them to be a witness to the world around. So Acts 1.8, say it with me if you know it, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. And so Philip is initially called to take care of these Grecian widows, but then something bad happens. 
something bad happens, right? So when Pastor Andy spoke last week, Stephen, what happens to Stephen? He's killed for his faith, right? And so after that, all of a sudden, Paul, who is then called Saul, and some of the other people are emboldened to now they're going to persecute other believers that are following Christ. And so persecution breaks out. And so next week we'll talk about Paul's conversion. But persecution breaks out, scatters the church. I compare it to like when you're going bowling and you, and you roll the bowling ball down the lane and it hits the pins and they go flying, right? The church scattered. And we may see that as a bad thing. And I'm sure the people that were being thrown into prison and their co- property being confiscated thought it was a very bad thing. But in the process, Philip, because of the persecution, ends up in Samaria. Okay? And we know that Jesus did ministry in Samaria, right? But most of the Jewish people avoided Samaria. Why? Because they were Samaritans, right? And the Samaritans were a mixed breed. So when I always talk about when the Assyrians came down in the Old Testament, they intermarried with Gentiles, and so they were a mixed breed. They had mixed religion. They were right in, in the center of Israel, but they were this mixed people. And so pure Jewish people, instead of going through Samaria, they'd go around it. So when Jesus ministers to the woman at the well, she was a Samaritan. And Jesus says, hey, we have to. I need to go through Samaria and minister to these people. And so we have uh, the story in, in John chapter 4, the woman at the well. It's one of the greatest conversations, soul-winning conversations we see in Scripture how her life was changed. And so now we go, we fast forward several years, and now Philip is going to be back in Samaria. He ends up there because things have been disrupted in Jerusalem. And he could have done a number of things. He could have hid. He could have put his tail between his legs. He could have done a lot of different things. But we're going to see what God did through his life as he was filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's bow our head in prayer and then dive into the message here. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is able to change and transform us, to renew us, and to make us into who you've called us to be. It is the living word of God. And so, Lord, come and speak to our hearts today, we ask in your precious name. Amen. I'm going to read through Acts chapter 8, and then we're going to come back to the point. So if you would just follow along with me. It says, on the... On that day, great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, okay, because of the death of Stephen and the persecution. Godly men buried Stephen, mourned deeply for him, but Saul began to destroy the church, going house to house. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Isn't that pretty cool? goes back to the Great Commission. Wherever you go, go into all the world and make disciples. Verse 5, Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. From shrieks, with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many. You know, isn't that just kind of interesting? Who, who did that before Philip? Jesus did, right? And now we're seeing that happen in the life of Philip. And he wasn't even an apostle. He was one, he was a believer, but he uh, was brought in to wait on these widows. But now as the Holy Spirit is upon him, we're seeing miracles and deliverance take place in his own life. 
Many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. I mean, these are significant miracles, folks, that are taking place through the life of Philip. And so there was great joy in the city. Now there was uh, some time a man named Simon who had practiced sorcery in the city. And he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. So they knew him as Simon the Great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention. They exclaimed, this man is rightly called, um, called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they, but when they believed Philip, and as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and, and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, so baptized in water. And Simon himself believed and was baptized. That's pretty incredible, folks. Um, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. You know, he was known for his works, but now he sees, he encounters the power of God and says, man, this is something I want in my own life. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believer that they might receive the Holy Spirit. So they had been saved, they had been believed, they had been baptized in water, but this is where we see this additional work of being filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not come on any of them yet. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the so water baptism, and then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And so I'd equate this to being the, this Holy Spirit in us compared to being immersed in the presence of the Holy Spirit being in us. All right? Verse 20, Peter answered, May, oh, okay, verse 18. When Simon saw the spirit that was given by the laying on the apostles' hands, he offered them money and says, Hey, give me this ability as well that anyone that I lay place my hands upon them, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought that you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness. Pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that you have nothing you have said may happen to him. me. So we don't ever know what happens to Simon the sorcerer, um, but he seems to repent. After they had further proclaimed the word of God, the Lord, and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go to the south, go south to the road and the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. All right. It's like how people give directions around here. Go to that farmhouse road and turn at the barn, right? Okay. Verse 27. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Okay. So he served in the Ethiopian government. Um, he, was a, he was a politician involved in that, an important official of the treasury of Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was a God-fearer. He wasn't a Jewish man, but he'd gone there, and he was a God-fearer, and he had this um, desire to know God. And on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Spirit of the Lord told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. So he's running, you know, he's running beside this chariot. 
Then Philip ran up to the chariot, heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet, and he says, do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. This is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. So it's Isaiah 52 and 53. As a lamb before its shearer is silent. And so he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And so he gave the order to stop the chariot. They, both Philip and the eunuch got down out of, um, out of the chariot, and he was baptized. Philip baptized him in water. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. So we don't know if it's like he, you know, he was gone. Um, but the Spirit takes him away. And the eunuch went away. Rejoicing, Philip, however, appeared in as as Taurus and uh, Astaros and traveled about preaching the gospel in other towns until he reached Caesarea. Uh, it's a pretty cool story. We, you know, we don't know from church history. We don't know what came of the life of this eunuch, but it it takes a key place in the in this gospel or in this book of Luke, <laughs> book of Luke, uh, in Acts that Luke wrote. It takes a key spot, so we think there must have been something significant there that Luke would record this, right? It, what we do know is in that northern part of Africa, there would be a very strong concentration of Christianity in the years that would follow. And maybe this eunuch was responsible for that, and that Philip played a role in leading that man to Christ. Amen? So what are some things we can pull from these two? There's kind of two stories here, right? You have the story of him ministering in Samaria and Simon the sorcerer, and then you have him ministering to the eunuch. Um, there's some principles that I want us to leave with here this morning. First of all, the Spirit will lead us to people who need Jesus. In both cases, I believe the Holy Spirit was guiding Philip. He led him to Samaria, and instead of Philip just saying, hey, I'm just going to be here while persecution is breaking out, I'm not going to do anything. He says, hey, I'm going to preach the gospel. And I'm going to tell other people about Christ. And guess what? As he preached, people believed, right? And miracles took place. Well, that was Philip, but that would never happen for me, right? Never know until you try, right? Right? Because it wasn't Philip. It was the Holy Spirit within Philip that was ministering through him. Just as the Spirit of God was upon the life of Jesus and anointed Him to do the miracles, so the Holy Spirit is upon us as His church and that He can work His power through our lives. Um, I think Philip would be one of the first missionaries. I, you know, he, He's not given that name, right? But he goes to a place that was not his home territory and he tells people who do not know about Christ, they believe, um, they see the signs and wonders, they put their faith in Christ. Right? And then Paul would later follow in his steps. Like Jesus, he was not afraid to go to people who had been overlooked by society, such as the Samaritans. You know, and that happens in our culture here today. And you can just even in our culture here, um, 
in Crete, you go to Lincoln. You know, you go to Lincoln, you can, you, you, you can see a lot of the world right in Lincoln. It's represented, especially you go to the north side of Lincoln, right? There's all sorts of different nationalities. They're here, right, for different reasons. But the world is coming. To, you don't even have to get, you know, you don't have to take an airplane ticket and go to another country. You can minister to other people right here, right now, right? And maybe some are your neighbors across the street, right? He wasn't afraid to go to people that were overlooked. Philip followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Spirit of God will lead and direct us to people um, that need to know Christ in their life. Maybe you have your own story where the Holy Spirit was working in your life and you just had that prompting in your heart saying, hey, I need to talk to that person today. Right? That is the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not just because you had pizza. It's not because other things. I think we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is in our lives and upon our lives to lead and direct us to the people that he wants us to minister to. And, I mean, this eunuch, I mean, it's kind of like, I mean, he was reading the scriptures, he was hungry, and he was wanting to know what the truth was. And that's the power about being led by the Holy Spirit is that God can lead us into opportunities. And it's kind of like from the outside, we're scared to death. And we say, man, what if I go talk to them and they tell me to shut up or they reject me or they say, hey, I don't believe. But what if they are seeking and we didn't realize it? And so the Holy Spirit can lead us. You know, what if we began each day inviting the Holy Spirit to direct our life and say, God, who do you want me to talk with today? You know what? It'd be cool just hearing God answer those prayers. So that's your challenge, all right? So you have this, all right? So you got this. You don't have to fill it in today, but you can, in this week, if you can begin praying, saying, God, who do you want me to be praying for? Who do you want me to be leading me to, right? Who do you want me to share Christ with? And I believe that God will lead and direct us. I think you can go just share your faith. And I've shared this before when I was in Bible college. They'd make us get in a van, and we'd go to Aberdeen, South Dakota, and go street witnessing is what they called it. So you're just doing this kind of like a cold call. You're just going, talking to people. You know, some of them are coming out of the bars. Some are coming, you know, whatever. And you're coming out of a restaurant on a date. They didn't want to hear about Christ half the time. <laughs> Sometimes they did, right? But you're talking to people that maybe their heart wasn't ready. But if you can be led by the Holy Spirit, I believe that God can prepare you to meet to somebody that's been seeking, right? You cross the paths. All right? Number two. The Spirit gives us boldness to share the gospel. And this is, it really comes out in the, in the book of Acts um, that when they were filled, you see that boldness aspect. It's a confidence. It's being able to speak boldly um, to other people that need to hear. We see that in the life of Peter when he gets up on the day of Pentecost. We see it in Stephen. We see it in Philip. And we then le- later see it in Paul, that they have this boldness that maybe wasn't there necessarily before. Now, Paul was kind of this outspoken guy, and he, um, I think he was a high D personality. And so maybe he was initially, but even in the midst of persecution, Paul would share the gospel in a very powerful way. There's a boldness that comes through the Holy Spirit to share the gospel. You say, God can never speak through me. Yeah. 
Maybe not in your own human limitations, maybe not. But say, God, I need your Holy Spirit to speak through me. Um, amen, yes. The Holy Spirit, when he came upon the prophets, he was guiding them as to what to say, and he gave them boldness to what to say. So Isaiah and Jeremiah, we know them as the, the major prophets, and then you have the minor prophets. But you know what? Their message was not welcomed. I mean, you guys are pretty welcoming. Welcoming. You've never thrown anything bad at me. Like I'm not trying to give you any ideas, okay? All right. But you guys, you guys aren't. <laughs> you you know where I'm going. But you know Jeremiah. He 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 spoke one message and he was thrown in a pit and left there. Isaiah was met, his words were not met with welcoming. They were rejected. And many of the prophets, some of them were killed because they brought forth the word of God. And you even see that of the apostles, how, how um, their message was not always welcome, but they still spoke it with boldness and power. Um, so I was listening to this men's devotional this morning. So if you, if you want me to send you the link, you're just going to have to find me after service. Um, but I was listening, it was on uh, 1 Samuel 16, where Samuel anoints David, all right? And uh, so Saul had been rejected as king, and Samuel says, you know, he's kind of looking at his wounds there, and God says, get up, take your horn of oil, and go, I have somebody that I want you to anoint. And, you know, he goes to David's house, and Samuel thinks it's all the older brothers, the tall, the good-looking ones, and God says, not him, not him, not him. And they say, well, there's no one else. Well, there's David out in the field. And so go get him. And it's him. And so they anointed him with oil. And Chris, you do not have this, but it's First Samuel 16, 13. It says that Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And it says that the spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. That's from the ESV, English Standard Version. But the Holy Spirit rushed on his life from that day forward. And you look at the life of David. You look at the life of David. After that moment, he would take out a lion. He'd take out a bear. And then it was kind of like he's going there to bring food to his brothers that are on the front lines fighting the Philistines and Goliath. And nobody wants to do anything. There is Goliath mocking the people of Israel and most importantly mocking God and nobody's doing anything and, and the Spirit of the Lord comes alive in David's life and he says, if nobody's going to do this, something about this, I am. And so this young man goes out there and takes on Goliath with a slingshot and some stones and defeats the Philistines that day. The Holy Spirit rushed upon David's life. And I believe, you know, that, that was for the prophets, that was for the kings in the Old Testament. But the promise of Joel is that in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and your daughters, men and women, slave and free, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. You know, some people have a greater confidence and more boldness than other people. Sometimes it can be a skill that's learned. You go into speech, right? And maybe you learn some skills there, how to communicate better. Um, that can help. I remember the first time I spoke, you know, a few first few times I was shaking in my boots, right? But here's the deal, folks. If you go to Romans 10, 14 through 15, this is why this point is so important. Paul says, 
But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him if they have not heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how can anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Did you know you could be a messenger and bring good news to somebody? And you have beautiful feet, all right? I know you wanted to hear that today. But it's an expression saying, hey, you're bringing good news. You're bringing good news. But how can they believe unless somebody tells them? Well, somebody will tell them. Somebody will tell my neighbor. Somebody will tell my coworker. Somebody will tell my classmate. Somebody will tell the people in our world that have never heard the gospel. Somebody will tell them. Maybe God's saying, it's you. If God puts it in your pathway and he's leading you, maybe you are the person that is supposed to tell them. Don't pass it off and say somebody will because sometimes someone never shows up. If God is speaking to you, he's probably, you're the one that is to tell them. Amen? Family members, neighbors, the list goes on. How can they believe unless somebody tells them? Yeah, one of the hardest things for me was to share my faith in high school and even in college. As I've grown with my walk with God, I'm, I've just become more comfortable with that, but I'm also comfortable with my style that I just get to know people through that relationship I share Christ. And you all have your own style. Maybe some of you are more direct and you just kind of like, you know, get in somebody's face and say, hey, you need Jesus, right? Maybe a little more what Stephen was like, you, can, you know, <laughs> didn't go really well for him, but um, he, he did glorify God, so... Paul was very direct, right? But some of, you know, other people may be more that relational person that shares Christ that way. Um, I always appreciated my parents growing up. They didn't come from the, the best home. Both of them came out of dysfunctional homes. There was alcoholism there. They had fathers that were alcoholics. Not the perfect situation, but, you know, for my mom, it was the rural pastor that came by and picked her and her other two siblings and took them to church. And those three younger siblings would serve God. They went to Bible college. One became a pastor. Um, the older ones, their lives were kind of a mess. But those younger three that got brought to church because of this pastor, who would later become the superintendent of North Dakota, um, was very instrumental. My dad, um, you know, he from age 12, he didn't have his mom or dad around. And it was his older brother that really reached out to him and shared Christ with him. And, um, and then later my mom and dad met. And, but it was somebody that spoke into their life. People cannot hear and say, well, they can turn on the radio, they can turn on the TV, right? Yeah, and some people will believe, but statistics will show that most people come to know Christ through somebody speaking into their life. And maybe that someone is you. Number three. The Spirit will empower us for transformational transformational ministry. That's a big word. But as Philip preached and ministered to people, they are saved. They're set free from evil spirits. They are healed. These are the miracles that we see in the life of Jesus. And now Philip is doing them. And we'll see the apostles doing them as well. But some incredible miracles. And you can say, God can never do that through me. Why not? The same Spirit that filled 
Jesus, the same Spirit that filled Philip and Stephen, the same Spirit that filled Paul, is filling you and I and working. It's not about us. It's about being a vessel that God can flow through through the Holy Spirit. God's power can change and transform our life, and He can do ministry through us. Don't I have to be a pastor? No, you don't have to be a pastor. Just be a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit. Philip and Stephen weren't apostles. They were men called to wait on tables. Be a vessel that God can pour into and let Him fill and transform your life. I like the story of the seven sons of Sceva. This is Acts chapter 19. Maybe someday it'll be a message all by itself. But these were, he was a Jewish priest, Sceva was, and he had seven sons. So Jason, you have a ways to go yet. All right. Verse 8, Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for three months. There's that word boldly again. Catching that? Three months, arguing and persuasively about the kingdom of God, but some became stubborn, stubborn, rejecting his message, publicly speaking against the way. So these new believers. So Paul speaks boldly even in the midst of opposition. So Paul left the synagogue, took the believers with him. So that was the Jewish synagogue. Now he's going to go to the Gentiles. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture of Tyrannius. He went on for the next two years so that the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. This is in Ephesus. It's one of the greatest revivals recorded in Scripture. We'll see why. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. Even handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people and they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Now, we're never told that this is to be a pattern, but God did work in some pretty incredible ways that if a handkerchief had touched Paul, right, and was placed on somebody that was sick, awesome, boom, they were healed. As a group of Jews were traveling from town to town casting out evil spirits, they tried to do the same thing as Paul. In the name of Jesus, their incantation said, I command you in the name of Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Verse 14, the seven sons of Sceva, leading priests, were doing this. But one time they tried it, and the evil spirit replied, Jesus I know, and I know Paul, but who are you? Uh-oh. Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence that they fled the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly throughout Ephesus, the Jews and Gentiles alike, and solemn fear descended upon the city. In the name of the Lord, Jesus was greatly honored. And many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them in a bu- public bonfire. The value of the books was several million dollars. Are you catching this? And so the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. That's the power of God, folks. God, Ephesus was not like this Bible Belt community. Ephesus was a place of prostitution. It was a place of very wicked idolatry. It was a place of just every evil under the sun. We think we got evil today. It was there in Ephesus as well. And yet God changed and transformed this community of Ephesus so much so that they would try to get Paul out of there because nobody was buying idols anymore, all right? And they burned their scrolls, millions of dollars worth of scrolls that they, that they burned up. And God changed and transformed this 
heathen town of Ephesus. If he can do it then, he can do it now. Amen? If he can do it now, he can do it then. He can do it today. Amen? All right. You know, some problems in society are, can be fixed through a pill, through wisdom, a medical doctor, a psychologist. But some problems can only be accomplished through God's mighty power. I believe God needs us as believers to be salt and light in our world. And that we must get out of our salt shaker and into the world, right? Where our presence is needed, right? You heard that one before? Get all the salt shaker into the world because it does no good being in here, right? This is our salt shaker. Yes, we can pray and we can minister to one another, but our presence is really needed out there, amen? And most of the miracles of Jesus did not happen in a synagogue or temple. Most of them happened out there. I believe that's where God can use us. You have the invite cards. We have Easter coming up in a couple weeks, a month. But will you begin praying of people that he wants to lead you in? Will you begin to pray for the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your own life? Amen? I'm, I'm going to challenge you, saying, God, you know, the people in Acts, the same people that were filled in Acts 2 are filled on other multiple occasions. So that tells us that we, if you want to say that we leak or whatever the case may be, but I, I've seen this even in real life where kids will go to camp, youth will go to camp, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they come back, we say that they're on fire for God, there's just this excitement, but it fades, it fades. Moses would go into the presence of God, right? And his face was just shiny when he was up on the mountain with God, but it began to fade, right? We have to keep that alive within our own lives. Amen. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of salvation, and then I'm going to give some further instructions, all right? Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, today could be a day of salvation for somebody maybe listening online or here today. You said that if we believe within our heart, regardless of our past, regardless of what we've done, we saw in our story today we have a, a eunuch that was seeking after you. He had a, per, a pure heart and he was seeking after you. He came to believe. And we see a man that was involved in sorcery. And he saw the power of God and he believed and he placed his faith in you, Lord. Lord God, you, you are in the business of saving people and transforming them. And Lord, if that's us today, if we put our saving faith in you, that you are Christ, the living God, and that you died on the cross for our sins, it says that we will be saved. If we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, we will be saved. Romans 10, 9 and 10. So, Lord God, if that is us today, let us put our faith and trust in you. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. For this concluding part, Chris, if you can cue up that song, um, um, begin playing it. Um, yes, so... Facebook family, I want you to gather with your family and you're going to pray. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you get in small groups. If you want to be in family groups or other groups, I just want you to get in groups of four and five. And the question is, I'm going to go with my notes here. Um, I want you just to ask for prayer requests. Maybe there's prayer requests that you have. Maybe some of them are um, not huge things. Maybe some of them are major things, Okay. I want you to, to make those requests known, and then I want you to pray for one another and pray for the Holy Spirit. So 
What we're taking is we're taking our passage, and I want you guys to do it, okay? I'm empowering you, okay? So I'm going to pray for you. Lord, as we gather in our groups, as we pray for real needs here today before we leave this place, Lord God, we stand in the promise of your word that you've given us your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would be active in our faith this morning as we pray for needs. And as we reach out to you and say, God, fill us with your spirit today, tomorrow, every day of this week. Lord, may we be people that are led by you, that are empowered by you, and that are guided by your Holy Spirit. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we'll say bye, goodbye to our Facebook family. So you can turn that off, Chris. If you would bring up gradually that instrumental music. Find groups four or five and um, pray for one another. See if there's any needs and just put into practice what we talked about this morning, all right? Just take a couple minutes to do that, and then I'll dismiss. Amen?